My, what a beautiful audience on this evening. I feel like the old farmer that carried his old coon dog to a prestigious dog show. And he carried that dog to that dog show, and folk began to talk about him, Brother Tony. They asked him, said, man, why in the world do you bring this old coon dog to a prestigious dog show? Well, the fellow looked at him and said, well, I figured the company would do him some good. <laughs> the company would do him some good. So, so I feel like that on this evening as I look out and, and see this beautiful audience on tonight. We see members from sister congregations, and we're just thankful that you've chosen to be a part of this summer series. My hat's off to Brother Tony Lawrence, uh, your fine minister here, uh, and to the elders and the deacons of this fine and great church for, for extending to us the invitation just to come just for a, a few moments and to share with you what thus saith the Lord. Certainly we are thankful for those who have made the trip over and for those in the community and all of you who have, have come to share in this uh, period of study with us. As I looked at the lineup of gospel preachers that you've had and that you will have on next week, uh, certainly we feel honored to be a part uh, of this great group of men. And I appreciate the invitation to come and to stand before you and to proclaim unto you what thus said the Lord. We bring you greetings from the Elm Street Church of Christ in Lynchburg, Tennessee, uh, just down the street from Jack Daniel. Uh, that, that's what I tell folks. Everybody know about Jack Daniel. They don't know about us too much. They know about Jack Daniel. I said, well, just go a little further. Don't, don't turn into Jack Daniel. Just keep straight, and then we're down the street of peace. But I hope you do have your copy of God's Word on this evening. We're going to be using it as we have been assigned the topic on this evening, dealing with pre a prejudice and a hatred. The great physician heals spiritual heart diseases. And certainly I'm thankful for this topic. Uh, this is a, a topic that's sorely needed in our world today. The subject of prejudice and, and hatred. And I know that you probably know more about it maybe than I. But nevertheless, uh, we're going to look at the scriptures and see what the book says. And we're going to go from, from there this evening. I want you to be turning to another couple of passages of Scripture uh, for this evening's lesson as well. I want you to be turning uh, in your Bibles to the book of uh, 1 Timothy, chapter 5, and, and verse number 21. I, I want to look at that passage, and then I want you to turn to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. These are the passages I also want to, to interject along with the passage that was read a few moments ago from the book of James. But the subject tonight that have been assigned to us, overcoming our prejudice and, and overcoming hatred. In other words, when we look at it, we see the great physician, and we know what he can do. Uh, certainly he can heal all spiritual heart diseases. And guess what? Prejudice and hatred is right in the mix of those heart diseases. I like what the songwriter had to say about it, though. He said this, that there is not a friend like the lowly Jesus, no, not one. None else could heal all our soul diseases, no, not one. Jesus knows all about our struggle. He will guide till the day 
is done. So there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. I, I stopped to tell you this evening here at Bobby Branch uh, uh, that, that he can take care of whatever spiritual ailment you may have in, in your life. Those spiritual problems, uh, the things that have already been mentioned, such as fear and doubt and dishonesty and disbelief, uh, envy and jealousy, anger, wrath, Worry, pessimism, ingratitude, selfishness, and above all, prejudice and hatred. He can deal with them, but you've got to allow him to do just that. The aim of these lessons are to learn the solutions given in God's holy and divine word for overcoming the foes of happiness and a peace of mind. I'm thankful that we have God's word. The late Brother Kivo used to let us know uh, that the Word of God was sharper than any two-edged sword. He said, and it'll cut you coming and a going. Right. Oh, yes, it's sharp. The Bible lets me know in John 8, 32, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So the Word of God, we have it, is truth. John 17 and verse 17, Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truths. Thy word is truth. And so therefore we have the truth. We have God's word. Oh yes, it's powerful. Over there, I believe in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I hear the Apostle Paul saying all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Well, when I look at these two words tonight, the word prejudice and the word uh, uh, hatred, uh, I, I can see that they can be used by themselves or we can put them together in some instances. And tonight I want to just kind of break down what they are individually and then uh, we will kind of tie them in together at the close of the lesson. But when I think about prejudice tonight, a person might be a faithful Christian. He may be a faithful church-going member. He may give much in the contribution every Lord's Day. He may be a good, moral, upright, upstanding Christian person. But friends, I stop to tell you tonight, if this individual harbors enough what we may call prejudice, if he harbors enough hatred, in his heart, guess what? He can harbor enough of that in his heart to damn his soul eternally. And this goes for women too. Amen, lights and walls. We need to understand tonight that, that it's not just the men who are prejudiced. It's not just women who are prejudiced. It's not just the whites. It's not just black. You know, you, you've got different religious groups that, that, that are prejudiced against one another. And so we got to be very careful about this thing called prejudice. So tonight, I want us to notice this thing called prejudice first. I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5. I, I, I like to give you a lot of script now, not a lot of lip. Right. Amen. 1 Timothy, chapter 5, and verse 21, in the New King James Version, Brother Tony, Paul told Timothy, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing without partiality. 
See, prejudice is a sin against God. And it's a great hindrance to the cause of the truth. Amen. Everyone, as you know, has a little prejudice in them. You, you may not admit it, but we do. Will Rogers said we are all ignorant just on different subjects. Is that all right? And so uh, prejudice is one of these issues where many folks, uh, uh, they claim ignorance. Some are ignorant of that particular thing. We may have prejudiced uh, our thoughts regarding such things as, as food, uh, clothing, or even the color of someone's skin, or, or the books that we read, or, or your interests that you partake in. And maybe these things may not, may not, or they may. But sometimes they may not endanger one's soul, but they might deprive us of something that we would otherwise enjoy in life. And we were not so prejudiced about it. We're going to look at what this word is. Because, see, we need to understand what does the word prejudice mean. We've got some young people in here, and I want to make sure that I get down on that level tonight. See, the word prejudice, W.E. Vine says, that is from the word procrema, which means prejudice. Uh, it denotes prejudging. The word prejudice over there in 1 Timothy 5.21, that's the only time that we find that word used or spoken of in the King James, in the New King James word, wording. It's called prejudice. Well, W. Vine says that word is procrema, and it denotes a prejudging, or it means to judge beforehand. Thayer defines this word as an opinion formed before the facts are known. How many times have we been guilty of forming opinions before we really actually know the facts? We look at a person and we say, I already know he's a rascal by the way he looks. I know she is a rascal by the way she talks. Sometimes we already try to figure out folk before we really understand what it's really all about. Our English word prejudice is from two Latin words, prey, which means before, and judicium, which means judgment. When you put them two together, you have a prejudgment. It's what I'm thinking you are before I really actually know because of the things that I know about you, before the evidence is really laid out there. And you know what, Brother Lawrence, the best demonstration of prejudice is seen in the Pharisees when Jesus had to deal with them uh, throughout his ministry. He often dealt with the Pharisees. And did you not know that the Pharisees, uh, even though Jesus worked miracles, they knew Jesus was working miracles, but they that still didn't convince them that he was who he claimed to be. Right. Amen. When you read John 11:47, you'll find that. The fact that they could not truthfully find sin in Jesus, it didn't convince them. According to John chapter 8 and verse number 46, even the betrayer, Judas himself, he confessed his innocence in Matthew chapter 27 and the verses are 3 through 5. The superior teaching did not convince them. Over there in Matthew chapter 7, you remember the Bible tells us how that Jesus, he taught as one who had authority, and he didn't teach as one of the scribes. And even though he did that, and even though he did it before them, some of the folks still didn't believe it because they were prejudiced against his teachings. They were prejudiced against his, his living. 
Not only that, but their own scriptures did not convince them. You remember over there in John chapter 5, the verses at verse number 39. Jesus said, search the scripture, for in them you think ye have eternal life. He said, for they are they which testify of me. If you read the scripture, Jesus said, you'll find they're the ones that's going to testify me of you. But you're a prejudice. You don't want to see that. Finally, the empty tomb, which they could neither deny nor explain, was ignored and a lie was invented and circulated instead of accepting the truth. Matthew chapter 28, 11 and following, you'll find Jesus teaching concerning that. Thus, we find the miracles of Jesus, his perfect life that he lived, his superior teachings, their own scriptures, and his resurrection did not convince those Jews that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Why, Brother Whitaker? Because the only explanation that I can give you is that they were so full of prejudice that they refused to accept the evidence. Amen. And folk are like that today. Why do you think we have so many religions today? People are prejudiced. They have already pre, or have formed their preconceived ideas about what they think they need to be or where they ought to be. I once saw a plaque, Brother Tony, which said, My mind is made up, so don't confuse me with the facts. <laughs> is that all right? My mind is already made up, so don't confuse me with facts. And when we give folk facts, it confuses them because their mind has already been preconvinced. A prejudice. Amen. A judge was glaring down over his bench and he saw a young man who was a prospective juror. And he said, Just why is it, son, that you don't want to be on my jury and serve on this jury? The man replied, Well, judge, I'm prejudiced. He said, Just one look at that man has already convinced me that he's guilty. The judge looked at him and said, Son, that's not the man. That's the district attorney. (laughs) That's right. That's not even the man that's on trial. He's the district attorney. And so his mind was already made up. And we're like that sometimes. Well, what is it that produces prejudice, Brother Whitaker? Let me just give you a few things here. We're going to move on. Usually prejudice can be traced to early impressions and associates. And as parents, we have many parents in here uh, this evening. And, you know, as parents, we have a profound influence upon our children. And many times we can influence our children uh, to, to obey the gospel. We can influence them to, to be in the church, to, to come to church. Amen. Sometimes you say, well, I, I just can't make my son do well. I could say, if you, if you keep working on him long enough, I believe you can do it. You can, you can get him. And many times, they, they will follow you. They will follow your example because you have uh, formed their views over the years, especially when it comes to religious matters. Parents often bring great pressures upon their children to keep them in the grip of their tradition, the doctrines of men. A lot of times, uh, our children are what they are. Religiously, 
because parents have, have had that stronghold on them. I talked to them several many times in, in, in trying to teach them the Bible. They said, well, my mama was this, and, and that's why I'm going to stay where I'm at. My, my daddy was that. Well, you, you're prejudiced to the fact that this is the truth. Well, I've already been impressioned by mama. I've, they've already made an impression on me. So sometimes prejudice can be traced to early impressions and associates. Our parents, our, our friends, our, uh, those that we, we come in contact with maybe on a daily basis. These folks can influence us. We have to be very careful about that. Ignorance, amen, prejudice can be produced by ignorance and superstition. That happened even in, in Jesus' day. The less one knows about a subject, the more inclined he is to become prejudiced about that. For an example, a ruling clergy who keeps the masses in ignorance leads to much prejudice. In other words, you have some in denominationalism that will tell you, you all don't bring your Bible, y'all let me tell you. Let me preach and let me teach you. Don't, don't bring your Bible. Don't, don't try to follow Scripture. And when they are confronted with the truth, many times they are prejudiced against the truth because they've already been made ignorant by the preacher. Amen. And that may not be what y'all wanted, but that's what I brought tonight. Is that all right? See, we, we, we got to understand that these are some things that produces it. Yes, denominationalism can, can do that. Over there in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses number 3 and 4. I hear the apostle Paul say, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are what? Lost. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Since Satan, he blinds a lot of folk. He have his preachers and his, his little imps that will blind folk. And so that's why we got to be stronger than the devil. Anything that hinders the acquisition of knowledge causes prejudice. And sometimes the gospel can be hid to those who ought to be knowing it. But because of prejudice, many times we fail to take heed. Jealousy and envy. Oh, that's another thing that will produce. Prejudice. When Paul and Barnabas came to Antioch, y'all remember? In Bethsaida, and preached in the synagogue on the Sabbath, some requested that they preach to them again the next Sabbath. And when that day came, be turning to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13, that's where I'm going. Acts chapter 13, round about verse number 38. We find that when the day came, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Notice what he said. Drop down to verse number 42 for, for time's sake. The Bible says that when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up and many of the Jews and Religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath day came and almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But, friend, prejudice pops up in verse 45. Look at it. The Bible says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. 
and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Friends, folk will do that. When they get scared, jealousy and envy will prompt them to become prejudiced. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We see prejudice at work in verse 45, don't we? Then there's pride and selfishness. Time don't allow us to really go into all of those, but, but I just want to drop that just in case you want to know how or what produces prejudice. That's what produces it. Ignorance and superstition sometimes can be traced back to early impressions and associates, jealousy and envy, pride and selfishness. Oh, yes. And prejudice produces what? What are the bitter fruits of it? Let me give it to you real quick, then we're going to move on. We need to understand that prejudice is dangerous because of its fruits. There are at least four conditions of the heart that result from prejudice. Number one, it produces willful ignorance. Amen. According to 2 Peter 3, 5 through 7, Romans chapter 1 and verse 28, it will produce ignorance. Over there in Matthew chapter 13, and look at the verses 14 and 15. The Bible lets us know, Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which said, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and ye shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. What are you saying? Here were those in Jesus' day who willfully refused to understand and be converted because they did not want to understand and they didn't want to be converted. Prejudice will do that. Prejudice will allow no changes. See, if we, we, if we really want to change and make changes in our religious life, if you stick holding on to your prejudices, oh, the very reason God gave us the Bible is to do what? Cause some changes. The Word of God will cause us to do that. Paul's mission was to make men see the truth, to cause them to turn from darkness to the marvelous, marvelous light, according to Acts 26 and verse 18. If one is in error, unfruitful work of darkness, as some might say, he must make a change. But a lot of times they will allow prejudice to do that. Some frankly admit that they will never change. Regardless of the evidence, regardless of what you put out there, preacher, regardless of what you preach, uh, Brother Lawrence, regardless of what the elders teach and what they won't talk in the congregation, there are some folks who say, I will never change. Nothing but prejudice. Prejudice makes one dishonest. See, there's an old saying handed down from pioneer preachers. Anyone can be honestly mistaken, but when he is confronted with the truth, he either ceases to be be mistaken, or he ceases to be honest. One or the other. Prejudices cause people to deliberately misquote, misrepresent, misapply the Word of God. And those are diseases of the heart. And thank God we have a Savior who can take care of those diseases. His name is Dr. Jesus, the great physician, the doctor who never lost a case. 
What does the prejudice do? It creates anger. And then it also creates what we're getting ready to talk about, and that's hatred. Oh, yes, prejudice does that. And not only does it create anger, not only does it create a hatred, but it also can create murder. This is a serious indictment against prejudice. But the word of God will stand behind it. Christ was hated by the Jewish leaders of his day. Oh, so much. But they, they attacked him because of their prejudices and their hypocrisies. Am I right? And, and rooted in prejudice, their anger and hate of Jesus led him to eventually be crucified. Oh, yeah. So I want to just say this before I move on. How can we eliminate it? Well, we must desire the truth above all else. Buy the truth and sell it not. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We must never accept as final any position until all of the facts are in and are examined. We must stay humble. Am I right about it? And we must be willing to change. We've got to be willing to change. You know, a daughter said to her mother, Brother Tony, tomorrow, Mama, I'm going to bring my boyfriend over, and I want you to meet him. But I must forewarn you, Mom, that you may not like him, how he dresses, and you may not like it because he wears earrings, but, but she kept repeating, Brother Tony, just keep an open mind. Just keep an open mind, Mama. Well... Mom told her, said, don't be surprised. She said, I will keep an open mind. But you might be surprised as how much prejudice can be crammed into an open mind. <laughs> hey, amen. Now, she was going to be open-minded, but she also said, you can be, you'll be surprised how much an op- uh, prejudice can be crammed into a mind that is open. Prejudice of all kinds will continue to exist in our world. We must learn to identify and eliminate them from our hearts. What else do we need to overcome? You you talk about prejudice, Brother Whitaker, yes. But I want to hit up just a few points on hatred because many of us know about hatred. Amen. I'm quite sure most of us know more about hatred than we do about the prejudice part. But hate is a heart ailment forbidden by the Lord... God, in not only the Old Testament, but also in the New. Oh, yes. Oh, then the book of Leviticus, chapter 19 and verse 17. The Bible says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Leviticus 19, 17. Turn with me over there to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And look at verses 43 and 44. Notice what Jesus said. He said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say, this is what Jesus is saying, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, there it is, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So notice what we find here. In this passage alone, as well as in James 2 that was read tonight, we find how that that, that love is more important than hate. And even though we are to hate sin... We are to love the 
the sinner. Amen. We must hate sin. But we've got to love the sinner man. We've got to love the sinner woman. See, we need to understand that God hated sin even in his day, didn't he? Turn over there to the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Amen. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination unto him. What are they? A proud look, a lying tongue, hand that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imagination, feet that be swift to run into mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. These are things that God hates. And even though God hates those things, he still loves who? The sinner man. Oh, yes. 1 John 4, 8 through 11. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And we could go to many, many other passages that shows how that even though God hates the sin, we, he still loves the sinner man. And God wants his children, you and I, to hate sin as well. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivered them out of the hand of the wicked. Psalms 97, 10. Amos 5 and verse 15. Hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Explain how it was possible to hate what a man did, but not the man. C.S. Lewis explained it this way. He said, it occurred to me that there was one man for whom I had been doing this all my life. And you know the answer? He said, myself. Myself. So we must be careful that we do not transfer our hate for sin to the sinner man. Oh, yes, Brother Tony, that clock right? I believe it is. I tell you what, time gets away when you're having fun. But hatred... Hatred is among the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 and verses 19 through 21. The Bible tells us what the works of the flesh are. But guess what? In that, in those passages of Scripture, we find that Paul said in that list of sins, hatred is associated. It's associated with adultery, with fornication, with murder, with drunkenness, and other vices. And Paul goes on to say in verse 21... Those folk who do such things cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We got anybody hating anybody in here? Hello, somebody. We, we can't hate and expect to go to heaven. Hatred is among the works of the flesh. Hatred is, is harbored only by fools. How do you know? Solomon said it. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 18. He that hideth hatred with his lying, with his lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. Whitaker didn't call you that. But the Bible did. And if you have it in your heart, you are harbored and you're called a fool. Hatred is cruel. How do you know? Well, the Bible lets us know. Consider my enemies, David said. For they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred. It is cruelty. Hatred led to the murder of Abel. Over there in the book of First John, the chapters 3, verses 11 through 15. And also in the book of Genesis, you find how that it was, it was this thing called hate that led Cain to murder his brother Abel. Hatred is an evidence of immaturity. Matthew 5. Look at verse number 48. You can read verses 43 through 48 when you have time. But I want to just touch on this as I hasten to my close here shortly. Be therefore perfect. Even as your Father, which is in heaven, 
It's perfect. Jesus just got through talking about loving your enemies and so forth. But then he said in verse 48, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father is in heaven is perfect. What's he talking about there? He's talking about being mature right there. The word perfect in the text comes from teleos, and it means mature. Hence, to be mature, we must love, not hate our brother, not hate our sister. We must love them. Even when it comes to our enemies, friends, we must learn to love them. Conversely, if we hate rather than love, we indicate our spiritual maturity. Hate, it leads to many other evils. What does it do? Well, number one, it stirs up trouble. Anytime you got hateful, it'll stir up trouble every time. Oh, yes, it will. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sin. Solomon said that, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 12. You remember the strife that generated between Joseph and his brethren? Over there in Genesis chapter 37, the whole chapter, just read the whole thing. Brother Keeper used to say that. He said, you'll run into it, just keep reading. <laughs> so you just started chapter 37 in the book of Genesis and you read the whole chapter and I promise you, you're going to run into it where Joseph had a confrontation with his brethren and they generated from hearts of hate. The text says, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told those dreams to his brother, and guess what? The Bible says in verse number 5 that they hated yet him the more. Oh, it's a heart disease that needs to be taken care of because it will cause more people to lose their soul if they're not careful. Hate generates envy. Envy generates hate. Go back to Genesis 37 and verse 8. Joseph's brother, the Bible says, they hated him. And correspondingly, they envied him, verse 11 of Genesis chapter 37. Indeed, malice, envy, jealousy, ill will, and suspicion, all of these brothers and sisters and friends are the offspring of hate. And can you see how the prejudice can come into that as well? Oh, I can. Yes. When you have that malice and when you have jealousy and, and ill will, you know, prejudice can play a part as well as the hatred. Hate leads to murder and it leads to assassination. How do you know? Because in verse 20 of Genesis 37, Joseph's brothers, they hated him. And because they hated him, they said, let us slay him. Let us assassinate him. Let us kill him. They wanted to kill him because of hate. Absalom, he hated Amnon, Amnon rather. Absalom hated Amnon and had him killed. How do you know? Second Samuel thirteen twenty one through twenty nine tells me all about that story. The sins of hatred eventually crucified my Lord and my Savior, according to John fifteen nineteen through twenty five. First John three and verse 16, 15. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And the Bible says no murderer will have eternal life in heaven. Oh, yes. Hate leads to the sins of the tongue. Oh, yes, it does. Lying, gossiping, fault-finding. All are to generate. They all generate from a heart of, of hate. 
Hatred leads to bitterness, resentment, and retaliation. Romans 12, verses 14, as well as 17 through 21. Oh, yes. Be not overcome of evil. Paul said, but overcome evil with good. So it's important to remember that to render good, to render evil for evil is devilish. To render good for good is human. But to return good for evil, that's God-like. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to love and not hate. Oh, what's the consequences of hate, Brother Whitaker? Oh, there are many. Hate will rob you of happiness. See, as long as you have hate in your heart, you're going to be miserable. Amen. Some people folks, I just can't stand him. Or, I just can't stand her. Or, I hate him and I hate Amen. You, you, you keep talking like that. And you know what it's going to do? It's going to rob you of your happiness. It's going to rob you of your joy. Hate and hell dwell in the same heart. It can't do it. If you're going to knock on the door of the most miserable man in town, I know who did you need to knock on. You need to knock on the door of the fellow that's bitter. The individual that's resentful, the one with an unforgiving heart. And if you do that, you're going to be a hater. You'll be a hater. Hate will make you a slave, too. Amen. It'll make you a slave. You mean to tell me to make me a slave? Yeah. You just hate someone. And he will require you to take medicine for your headache that you always have. You know that stomach ache that you always have when you get around a certain person? That ain't nothing but that hate. Loss of energy. Amen. You think you just need some Geritol? You need more than Geritol. You need Jesus. (laughs) Hello, somebody. Hate will keep you out of heaven. It'll do that. And I know my time is about up, but I need to just drop this from what it all may be worth. Hate, as I said, is one of the works of the flesh. We've already talked about that. But if we hate, we are murderers. And John said in 1 John 3.15, No murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. What is the cure? The brother just read it a few moments ago in the scripture. Love is the cure for hate. With the Bible writers, there is no middle ground between love and, and hate. It is either that we love or we hate. We can't do both. You can't straddle the fence. 1 John 2, 9 through 11. 1 John 3, 14 and 15. You just can't do that. Notice the importance of the necessity of love as we close. Brotherly love is a badge of discipleship. John 13 and verse 35. By this, Jesus said, Ye all men shall know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love. Not hate, but love one for another. Brotherly love is a command, John 15 and verse 12. Brotherly love is to be maintained above all things, 1 Peter 4 and verse number 8. It hides a multitude of sins. Brotherly love is the second great commandment, Matthew 22 and verse number 39. Brotherly love is a fulfilling of the law according to Romans chapter 13 and verse number 8. Brotherly love will prevent stumbling, 1 John 2 verses 9 through 11. Brotherly love is a mark of divine sonship. 1 John 3.10 As I close, what is the nature of love that we are to have for our brethren? We are to love our brothers 
as the Lord loved us. First Corinthians, or John chapter 13, and verse number 34. We need to have that love that Paul talked about in First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 and following. We're to love our brethren as ourselves, Matthew 22, and verse number 39. We're to love our brothers with a fervent heart, First Peter chapter 4, and verse number 8. We're to love our brothers without hypocrisy. 1 Peter 2, or 1 Peter 1, 22 through 23. We're to love our brethren indeed, and not in word only, according to 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. As I close this evening, if we hate someone to overcome this, we should pray for the person who is the object of our hate. I had a fellow tell me just the other day, Yes, Brother Whitaker, I, I've had some problem with hatred. A fellow stole from me, and, 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 and you know, I have that hatred in my heart, and, but, but I need to get rid of it. Yes, you do. Because you can't get to heaven like that. You need to pray for that person who's the object of your hate. Find something good to do for that person who is resented. Find something good to say about him. Do something good for him or her. And then thirdly, try sincerely to understand the person who was disliked and resented. Think about why they are and maybe put yourself in their shoe. And I guarantee you, if you take God and his word, you'll be able to conquer hatred. You'll be able to conquer prejudice. But we can't do it without Jesus. And I say to you tonight, obey him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love him tonight? Solomon said over there in Proverbs 15, 17, Better is dinner of herbs, is the dinner of herbs where love is than a stall ox and hatred therewith. And then, I like what Booker T. Washington had to say about it himself. He said, let us say I will not allow any man to reduce my soul to the level of hatred. We need to have that attitude that we're not going to allow anybody to reduce our soul to the level of hatred. And I'll add to this one, prejudice as well. We'll strive to make sure that we're making heaven our home. We want to go there. And I hope you want to take somebody with you. Tonight, that's the lesson. Maybe just a tad long, but I wanted to make sure that you were able to get both sides of this lesson. The side of, pet, of prejudice and the side of hatred. And I hope that you'll be able to decipher what God wants you to do and how he wants you to do it. So that when this life on earth is over, heaven will be your home. If you're here tonight and you're not a child of God, maybe it's because of prejudice. Maybe it's because... You hate the church. Maybe your parents have instilled in you back in the day that you, you, you shouldn't love, you shouldn't want to be a part of the church that Jesus died for and purchased with his blood. So in other words, they taught you to be a church hater. Well, I trust tonight that you'll say, no. Say to Satan, get behind me. I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm not going to turn back. You've heard the word. Believe the same. Repent of your sins. Confess with your mouth that Christ Jesus is God's son. Be willing to be buried in that liquid tomb 
for the remission of your sins. Rise up and walk in newness of life. Thus to be added to the Lord's church. Remain faithful unto death. And then you can make heaven your home. You'll hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come up higher, and I'll make you rule over many. Will you do that tonight? Oh, it's a beautiful audience. There must be somebody here tonight that says that I want to turn my life around, and I'm going to do it tonight. I've been harboring hatred, and I've been harboring prejudice in my heart. All these years, I'm going to get it out tonight because I want to go to heaven when I die. Jesus said, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're hearing your subject invitation, why not come? Come to him right now as we together stand and sing. <laughs>